doing something. He's in his 60s, but he's doing something uh, with leaf work on his roof, had an accident, fell off, d uh, died. And Jesus doesn't work just here at this altar from 1155-ish, 12-ish to like 1207. Then he shuts off. He is a 24-7, truly 24-7 Savior. And so that's, that's good to know. Now, to this morning, we are going to continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We looked last week at uh, the beginning of a five-part series dealing with spiritual gifts. Laid some foundation, and this morning we are going to look a little bit further. Now, why is this important to you? Well, if you are a child of God, if you have been regenerated through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have a spiritual gift. You may not realize that, but God gave it to you for a purpose. And he wants you to be about the business of using it for the kingdom and for this local church called Sulphur Springs Baptist that you have affiliated yourself with. And so it's important for you to know this. It's important for you to understand uh, what, what these gifts are and then how you can go about figuring some things out. So that's the goal this morning. We're going to be looking at unity through diversity. We hear a lot about diversity in our nation today. And a lot of what we hear about diversity is not a good thing. Um, there's all kinds of classes now, electives, and probably some mandatory on our college campuses that deal with this little group, that little group, and this one's been forgotten, and we need to say more about what they have and their diversity focus in the world, what it actually does, regardless of what they say, it divides. The diversity that God gives in his family is meant to bring unity. So that is a very important thing to understand as we go through here. God would have us to achieve unity. That doesn't mean uniformity. Uniformity is like robots, that everybody looks alike, talks alike, does the same thing. That's uniformity. Not talking about that. Talking about unity as in that we have one purpose and that we're working together as a team and bringing our different gifts and abilities to achieving that purpose. So that's what we're looking at this morning. So if you're there in 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to encourage you to stand for the reading of your word, or the reading of God's word, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 31. Fairly lengthy passage, but uh, Paul is making a point, and it's one that we need to hear in its entirety. 
God's word says this, beginning with verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are of one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. <clears throat> For the body does not consist of one member, but of many if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. <clears throat> the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another." If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? <clears throat> are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Father, we ask a blessing upon this reading from your word, and ask now that your Holy Spirit, <clears throat> the giver of the gifts, may enlighten us and help us to understand this application we ask and pray it in Christ's name amen <clears throat> thank you <clears throat> so Paul here is is going to great lengths to stress what I just talked about before I started reading that scripture passage unity through diversity and he's using the imagery of the body uh, it's an analogy that they might understand. If you remember, I told you last week, the church at Corinth was having some very difficult things going on. There were divisions. They were having trouble here, having trouble there. And so he is showing that just as a physical body has different parts, but it's still one body, and your body works for the, the purpose of what all your parts work together for whatever you're doing. And that's what he's saying here. Now, in the context of spiritual gifts, it's important because remember there was a group 
that they thought because they were given, they didn't earn them, they didn't do anything special to get them, but they, God had given them the sign gifts, and they were acting like they were more important than the rest of the members of the church. And that was what was causing the division. So I hope as you heard that being read, just as you heard it being read, his call for unity. That's where it starts. Before you get hung up on a particular gift and is it more important than this one or that one, any of that, Remember the main focal point here that Paul, this is a corrective. He's, he's given this. He's saying, we need to be together. We need to be unified. There's a world out there that's looking at us, and they think we're a bunch of bozos. They think we're fruitcakes. They think we're the idiots. And that's okay. That's what the world thinks. That's what they've always thought about Christians. But what they do need to see is us getting along and working together for the same purpose. When they see division in here, that just gives them another reason not to come. Not to give allegiance to the things of God. Well, if those Christians can't even get along... Why in the world should I come? So the overriding thing is here is unity. And that's how Paul starts. He reminds them that every single believer is baptized in the one spirit. That's a spiritual baptism. He's not talking about immersion by water. He's talking about that mysterious supernatural occurrence when we come to faith in Christ the Holy Spirit spiritually baptizes us we are in union with Christ at that point and he's saying that's happened to all of us every one of us has experienced that same thing doesn't matter if we were Jews we're Greek slave free all made to drink of one spirit that is crucial. He hammers that and hammers that before he moves on and talks about the specifics. So what, what is the application here to us? Well, the question is, are we unified? Are we all of one purpose? Do we have the same overriding mission and concern as we work together? Or are we working together? Have we got a group of people that are heading this way and some heading this way? Or, or some, hey, I, you know, I don't really like this person because, well, I just don't like them. And maybe they don't do things like I do, so... If there's division within us, we are not going to be able to achieve what God has designed us to. Just like it was true in, in Corinth 2,000 years ago, it's true right here at Sulphur Springs Baptist today. 
If we allow divisions within our body, we're not going to be effective. It's that simple. The Spirit of Christ, think of, think of it this way. What did Jesus forgive you of and then compare that with what you think someone has done against you that you're not willing to extend forgiveness to them. And if you can come up with something, let me know. Because I don't think that's, that's possible. Christ has forgiven us. Oh my goodness. Should we not extend that same forgiveness to others? It's, it's about... Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, all made to drink of one spirit. The body is one, has many members, but we're one body. Christ is not divided, and neither should his bride be divided. And so, if, if there's something you're aware of, pray about, and then take steps to move toward reconciliation. Because we need to be one. Verses 15 and 20, God has designed the body so that the members are interdependent. Now, this is a discussion that's starting to deal with the gifts, and Paul is talking, he's using this body analogy, and it's easy to understand. All the parts are necessary. Um, I thought about bringing Hallie's Mr. Potato Head, uh, but A, she was playing with it this morning, and so I didn't think that would be a very good idea if I tried to take it from her. Because she was happy. So, But anyway, y'all are familiar with Mr. Potato Head? You know, he's got all these parts. And if you put, if you get a couple of different potato heads and get parts, and you just put like eight ears on Mr. Potato Head, he looks pretty silly. Well, that's what Paul's doing here. He's using a whole lot of, of different ways of saying it. But basically, bottom line, he's saying all the parts are necessary. What he's telling the Corinthians is all the gifts are necessary. It's not that a few are more important than others. They're all necessary. Now, we don't really get this in the church. But you think about this. I, and I, I know some people that have, have lost limbs. Um, you lose a foot... You're going to notice it. It's going to make a difference. Can you still be productive? Yes. Roger Bumgarner has been here at our uh, brotherhood breakfast. Many of you have had him as a teacher when he was here at the high school. Um, he lost his foot in a logging accident, I think is what it was. And he's got a prosthetic now. And for years when I first knew him, I didn't realize he didn't have a leg or a foot there. Uh, but if you've heard his testimony, you've heard how that affected him. You don't just lose a foot or an arm and it not have an impact on you. What, what about us? What, what happens when we lose a finger or two? And I'm not talking about physically now, I'm talking about spiritually. If we're all members of one body, we have people in this church, and they leave... For whatever reason, what's happened? 
Didn't we just lose a finger or a toe or part of an ear or, or something? Now, if we physically lost a f- half of a finger, we're going to notice it. We're going to notice a loss. I have lost something. We should not be able to let anybody leave this place without noticing. It should matter. It should matter. Now, does that mean that people aren't ever going to leave? No. But if they leave, we should reach out to them and try to find out what's going on, why, and and what's the deal. But sometimes in a Baptist church, you can just quit coming and no one will ever say a word. Well, okay, they're gone. That should not be our... Do we have any unimportant members? That's, That's basically what you're saying. This person is unimportant. We, we can get by fine without them. Is that what the scriptures say? No. We're, we're not supposed to say, I have no need of you. So all the parts are necessary. We need each other. And that means there's no Lone Ranger Christians either. This idea that I can just stay at home and I can worship in the mountains or, or whatever else, that's, that's not biblical. We need to be exercising our gifts by our presence and our engagement within the local church. We need each other. Verses 21 through 26, God is the composer. And I want you to think of like, uh, a band, a, a, a symphony, rather, a symphony, and the composer and how they arrange everything. Well, he's the composer, and he gives gifts to fit his arrangements. In verses 21 through 26, that's the focus here. And in verse 24, it actually says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And again, verse 25, Why? that there may be no division in the body. But the members may have the same care for each other. God is the one who arranges things, and it talks about how this part may be more prominent than that part, but really the ones that are are of, of lower prominence, so to speak, those are the parts that actually he gives greater honor to. Now, the prominence has to do with function, the role, not the importance. No particular person is more important than any other in a church, or shouldn't be. Now, you know, if you've known me for any length of time, you know I am not a sports fan. Uh, Yeah, I pull for Tennessee because I'm a Tennessee fan graduate and most of the time except in the last five six years they have a decent football team um and you know i'll wear tennessee orange and all that but there's a lot of times someone will say something about a game i don't even have a clue who they played or if they lost or won i'm not so i don't i'm saying that to say i don't know much about sports but i do know a few things about sports not much but a few 
And I know who, whether you like them, dislike them, whether you think they're cheaters, that's not the point. But Tom Brady is the quarterback of the New England Patriots. And if you talk about the New England Patriots, you're going to think Tom Brady. Or at least I do. Now, I know he's their quarterback. I cannot name a single person by name of his offensive line. I have no clue who they are. But what little I know about football is Tom Brady knows who his offensive line is. And if those boys didn't show up and do their job, what would we be hearing about Tom Brady? Not much. Yeah, he's high profile, but you let him play football by himself without an offensive line, and you see what happens. He'll never get a pass off. He'll, it'll kill him. Those people that we don't know their names, they are very important. Very important. So what's the point? You might know the pastor of a given church. Yes, pastors, our name's out front, and we have a more prominent position. Am I the most important member of this fellowship? The answer should be no, I am not. I might have the most prominent position, but I'm no more important than anyone else in here. And if you guys weren't here, what would I be doing here? What if you didn't show up? You think I'm going to show up and preach to the sound guys? Well, they probably wouldn't show up either. But it's, it's a partnership. It's a team effort. That's what I'm saying. Your part in this is just as important as mine. You have a different role. I can't do this ministry by myself. There's no way. Just look at our Sunday school. How many different classes do we have? Adult classes. 12, 18? Different locations, different... We got teachers that prepare and pray... I can't do that. I can't do all that. Who's in the nursery right now? Who's taking care of our kids right now? It's not me. I can't be back there. We need one another. And no one's more important than someone else. So... Getting down to the gifts, and like I said, the, the important thing is more about how we use them and the purpose. Because after all this, now Paul's already mentioned the gifts one time in verses 8 through 10, and I read over those, but now here at the end, 27 through 31, he mentions them again. He says them in a different kind of way, <clears throat> but he says here that... Um, that basically the grace gifts, and that's, that's the word, charis is the Greek word for grace, that's where we get charismatics from, but charis or charis, however it was pronounced, that word actually means grace, and these grace gifts can be broken down into 
two main categories, serving and speaking. In verse 28, it says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. If you go back to verse 8 um, through 10, Paul says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment or the ability to distinguish, and then tongues and interpretations. These lists are not the same. And if you look at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, there is yet another listing of the gifts uh, <clears throat> that Paul uh, lists there. And they're not the same identical list either. And then the apostle Peter, in 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, he gives uh, a mention of the gifts. So what, what's the point? Well, the point is... This is not an exhaustive list. This, this doesn't cover everything. Paul is talking in broad categories. He does give some specifics. But you can think of the spiritual gifts in two broad categories. Speaking, where you're giving forth the word to other people in various forms. Or to serving, those gifts that will allow us to serve others in a more effective way. And what's the point? The point is not to say I've got the gift of knowledge or I've got the gift of helps or I've got and and you you can you can get all crazy trying to do that. Before we get into that, let's talk and I haven't done this yet. So what is a spiritual gift? I'm going to give you three definitions. So I want this to be practical. Now this is from a uh, uh, commentary by John MacArthur. This is the most technical of the three. But he says, Spiritual gifts are divine enablements for ministry, characteristics of Jesus Christ that are to be manifested or demonstrated through the body corporate, that's us gathered, just as they were manifested through the body incarnate. And he's talking about Jesus. Well, that's kind of confusing. I've read that, I don't know, about four times, and I'm not exactly 100% sure what he means. So I've got a couple others. Spiritual gifts are the God-granted empowerment for ministry on the part of believers. Okay, that one's a lot more simple. God's given you empowerment for ministry. And then John Piper, uh, he's a... Retired pastor now, but very popular in a lot of ways. He pastored up at uh, Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minnesota. A spiritual gift is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith effectively in word or deed for the strengthening of someone else's faith. And that's from one of his sermons. So I hope you saw the distinction between speaking and serving so what are the gifts, the speaking gifts? These would include the following. Prophecy, teaching, discernment. And discernment is the ability to spiritually know whether something's of God or not. 
1 John 4, 1, the apostle tells us to test the spirits because not everything is from God. Uh, wisdom, knowledge, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Those are the speaking gifts. The serving gifts would include faith, healing, miracles, leadership, hospitality, exhortation or encouragement, generosity, helps, and mercy. Now, again, these are not exhaustive. That doesn't, that's not all. They're just a range. So, how, it comes down to the practical. How do I know what my gift is? It's very possible you're here and you really don't know. Now, if you want to go uh, look up spiritual assessment gifts, surveys, inventories on the internet, they're, they're all over the... I've taken several over the years, and they're, they can be helpful. But again, I wouldn't get hung up on what a specific thing is. Pastor John, in his sermon, uh, I think, was um, more on track. He says, uh, we should just focus more on helping others. He said, after all, if the gifts are given for the common good, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 states that exactly, then a better question to ask is, what am I doing to try to help someone? Now, he, he makes a statement in that sermon, I happen to agree with it, that our main problem is, is not that we're, we're unsure about what our gift is. Our main problem is we don't have the desire to help someone. We really don't want to go out of our way to help other people. As a whole. Now, there's exceptions to that, but that's, that's really the bottom line. He says, human nature is more prone to tear down than it is to build up. The past of least resistance leads to grumbling and criticism and gossip, and many there be that find it. And I think that's true, sadly. It's true. And here's the thing. If you, ha if you really don't have a desire to help someone else, you're not ever going to know what you, you can take all the surveys you want. And on paper, you can come up with something. But what are the gifts for? The gifts are for to help build up the church, for ministry. And guess what? Ministry is messy. You want to get involved in some people's lives that need Jesus, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find a mess. Our brotherhood speaker, wow, I meant to work him in here earlier, but this guy was talking about spiritual gifts this morning. He was talking about serving. He did, twice a week, is that right? Twice a week he goes to our jail, and he's got the... Two gifts. One is the speaking gifts because he's sharing the word of God with them. But then he also has a serving gift. He's, he's got the gifts of helps, I think. He, he is getting involved in the lives of these men with problems and mistakes and sin. And, and just it's messy. And he shared some of that. And he shared that sometimes they say things and they don't follow through and how disappointing that is. But that's ministry. It's messy. And when you exercise a spiritual gift, 
you're going to be moved out of your comfort zone. And many of us are comfortable. We like our life just the way it is. We like the fact that Jesus has saved us and we're not going to hell. And we want to have a pretty easy time on the way. We just, we don't want complications in our life. Sometimes our own lives are complicated. Anybody in here got a simple, problem-free life? You don't have to raise your hand, but meet me later because I want to know your secret. Because I don't have one. And sometimes we just get focused on our own little me, myself, you know, my four, no more thing. And, and we just, I, I, I can't even... I can't even deal with what I've got. And you're talking about helping someone else out? Ministry is messy. Show up on a Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, and listen to some of these kids. Their lives are messy. Some of their lives are in shambles. And trying to be Jesus to them is sometimes frustrating. But it's messy. So how do you, how do you figure this out? Well, you get involved. You have to be willing to be used. I know I still haven't, and I am going to get there about some of the miraculous and some of the other stuff and the healings and and that sort of stuff. But know this, and I know I'm going a little long on you this morning, but I hope you're staying with me, because the miraculous only shows up in this one list in Corinthians. It doesn't show up in Romans. It doesn't show up in Peter. And the focus is more on serving and speaking the word truth and love and it's about being used so uh, it's not about hey I hope I have the gift of miracles and be able to heal someone how cool would that be uh, we'll, we'll talk about that what I want to focus on right now is, is serving what are you doing right now to put yourself in positions to where you can tell her if you have a gift or not. I want to say there's several of you here I really appreciate. You have been asked to do some things, and you've done them. And then you've come back after a year, and I think it's like helping out at the Good News Club, and you've come back and said, you know what, that, that's, 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 not, that's not for me. I don't think we can do this again. That's okay. You tried it, and guess what? Just because someone asks you doesn't mean that's, that's the thing. But when you try it and you find out, okay, this is not where I'm gifted, that's great. I remember the first year we were in South Carolina, and Angie and I were asked to teach a kindergarten class. We did it. Well, she did it, and I was there. But I found out, wow, this is not where I belong. And that's okay, but you know what? That's how you find out. And then the next year they asked us to teach a youth class and that, that clicked. But, you know, if I'd have said no, I would have never even realized that. 
So what are you doing to minister? You'll have to leave your comfort zone. These words are not mine, but uh, Dr. Steve Court says that uh, this thing about being uncomfortable, he said we've, as Christians, we've been called to carry a cross, but many of us would rather carry a cushion. He says it a different way, which is probably more powerful. Uh, something about a cushion, not a cross. But we've been called to carry a cross, and that's not fun all the time. So it's going to mean moving out of your comfort zone. What are so, these are just, I'm going to list six things in closing. You can volunteer at the Hidden Night Food Pantry on a, any Tuesday or Thursday between 4 and 6. We as a church have two official months. We normally do April and September. You can show up any Tuesday and say, hey, I'm here to help. And guess what? They'll say, okay, here's what you can do. And there's an opportunity you can, there's some people in need there. And you can share the love of Jesus with them. You can help out with our nursery or children's church. From what I've been told, we don't have a huge waiting list of, of volunteers there. You can show up on Wednesdays. I know not everybody can do that. We've got great support from our high school and college age and young adults, but some of the adults, wow, we could use some adults to pour into the life of some of these kids. Now, not, not everyone who's there has some messed up, mixed up family. That's not my point, because I know we've got several tutoring students in here. Some of y'all have great families. That's good, but some of them don't, and some of them need more. What about your workplace? You ever thought about starting a Bible study where you work at lunchtime or a prayer service? Where you work. You know, find another believer. Just in, in, They can just be there for moral support. Say, hey, we want to start this, and I just want you to be with me. You don't have to do anything. But you know what? Doing it with someone's a whole lot easier than doing it by yourself. Um, you don't need a whole lot of training to facilitate a Bible study and just say, hey, guys, I'm thinking of guys, you know, women could do this too. You know, we struggle with a lot of things as men, and I, I just want us to um, get together, study the Bible. Let's look at it together. Go to a nursing home. We've got several nursing homes. Just go. You know what the nursing home's full of? Besides germs and things like yeah, that, I mean you're get you're getting out of your comfort zone and yeah, there's that smell there and but a lot of times we think of old people how do how do we think of them oh they're they're cute and cuddly and and loving people you know what nursing homes full of some mean old people I'm not kidding and you know who they need they need Jesus. And they're running out of time. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're saved. You, those are just six that I thought of.
There's others. Just like the list that Paul gives, not exhaustive. That's, that's not exhaustive. And if, and if all six of you think, no, 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 no. Okay, well then pray, and I'm sure that's not all the extent of God's ministry opportunities. There's others. There's others. Point is, are you willing to move out of your comfortable spot and serve Jesus? If you, if you really want to know what your gift is, start serving. And if something doesn't work, that's okay. You know what? You've narrowed it down. This is not who God wired me to be. Great. You've marked that off. Try something else. Remember, you can't just try two and say, okay, I'm done, because you've got at least one. And if you've marked off two things, you're not there yet. You don't know what it is. But God would have you to know. So, well, Mark, you and the musicians come. We'll have a time response. Might be something you want to pray about. I know this hasn't been a, a salvation message. This is a message to the church. But if you are without Christ here this morning, there's always an opportunity to come to faith in him. And so take advantage of that. But uh, this is mainly for the church this morning. And we need to know what this is because we need each other. We need each other. Father, God, as we come to the close of this service, help us to just understand the need. There's people out there in the darkness who are suffering, who are alone, who are just burdened by sin. And sin is heavy, it's weighty, it's... The Bible tells us the way of the transgressor is hard. They don't have easy lives. And they need us to come to them with the light of Jesus. So God, help us to be willing to look to carry that cross and to leave the cushion behind. And Father, I pray you would continue to challenge us until we find your answer for our lives. And I ask this in Christ's name, amen. I'd ask you to please stand. <clears throat> Turn to page 5, 97.